So this is an experiential sermon. That means I'm not doing it by myself. (laughs) I wanted to share some of the things we've been doing in summer religious education. So there's some movement and there's some singing and there's some thinking. There's some passing it on. And yes, I know I went with the Doctor Who thing. And I hope you came through the TARDIS, which is his very ordinary on the outside, but extraordinary on the inside, traveling time machine. It just appears here and there and floats in space and lands in London and anywhere else that it might be needed. Because somehow the doctor... Who? The doctor always knows when and where he's needed. It's always he. You've got to wonder about that. Why would that be? Doctor Who has been around for a long time. The television show began in the 1960s. They're now on the 11th Doctor, I believe. They wrote this thing into the script. It's pretty phenomenal that when an actor had to leave, the Doctor regenerated. So the doctor comes back as somebody who has all the memories and experiences and some of the same quirky personality (coughs) traits as the previous doctor, but the face is different. Funny how that works. We, We come back over and over again, we just look a little different sometimes. The doctor is extraordinary because he finds the extraordinary in some people who think they're very ordinary. Shop girls... Moms, nurses, doctors, who think they're doing good work, but they're just themselves, and they don't think there's anything special about them. Until they come through the doors of the TARDIS, which looks like an ordinary police box, the old-fashioned kind that that is no longer available in Britain. (laughs) It's a box. It's a blue box. And what do you expect when you open the doors of a blue box? Anybody? What do you think? Phone. They say you can call any time. You open the doors of the TARDIS, that ordinary blue door, and inside you find something extraordinary. It's yellow and veined, and there's this thing with lots of dials and switches and all kinds of stuff. And it's alive, even though you don't know it yet. It's extraordinary. So how do we bring out that extraordinary in ourselves without the doctor being among us? He could be. We don't know what he really looks like right now. Anybody out there? Is the doctor in the house? So let's start with something sort of simple because you carry it with you all the time, the drumming. I've talked about that a little bit before. Anybody know what that original drum is, the very first drum that you keep with you all the time? Show me. Show me where it is. Show me where it is. Come on. So how's it going? Does it feel about right? Good, steady? Not too fast? Mine does that kind of somersault every once in a while. feels kind of funny. There's your drum right there. I would invite you to feel it in the person next to you, but you might want to wait on that until you get to know them a little better. 
Just know they have one too. Now, if you're the doctor, you have two of them. I wonder if they keep rhythm or if they're a little different. That's how we got that bit. So there's our drumming. You can do that. You can do it here. You can do it on your legs. Wonderful. That was extraordinary. So what about your thinking? What do you think about? Does your mind jump from thing to thing over and over and over again? Thinking about that, that's really interesting, but wait a minute. Oh, oh, that looks good. No, wait, I like this thought better. Monkey mind. Do we like monkey mind? No. (laughs) Sometimes yes, sometimes no. We can get a lot of stuff done, sort of in our heads, with monkey mind. But when it comes to getting it out through your fingers, it's a little more difficult. And sometimes that extraordinary thought, that thing that could take you beyond gets lost in the little niggling everyday things like, are there peas in the freezer for dinner tonight? So, what can you (laughs) No peas! Are there carrots? You know, okay, here's the monkey mind at work. My first thought when, oh no, no peas, means we don't have that thing we could put on your face or the bruise on your arm. Monkey mind. So how can we help ourselves pull back from monkey mind? We can try meditating. We can put our hands together. We can breathe deeply. We can close our eyes. We can have that thought, holding that thought, breathing, breathing. Are there peas in the freezer? Breathing, (laughs) breathing. My socks are smelly. Breathing, breathing. Oh, I don't have any socks. Breathing. Oh, dear. Guess what? Monkey mind strikes again. So what if, instead of just sitting quietly, which, let's face it, for a lot of us is really difficult, we try moving a little bit. So we try some yoga. We try a walking meditation. Sometimes singing a song helps you focus a little better. How about journaling? Has anyone tried journaling? So writing down those deep thoughts, those really important things. Not the grocery list. Not the grocery list. That's different the journaling, to keep you focused on that thought. What would you write at this very moment in your journal? What is the top thought, beyond she's wearing a scarf that's too long, in your head? Where would it take you? Anybody thinking about something they'd be willing to share? What's that first thought? A walking meditation in our labyrinth, which is right there. Thank you. Is it hard sometimes to keep those thoughts in here? To live them out? To be extraordinary in very ordinary situations? Yes. Do you know what we call that? Trying to do that? We call that practice. And we can take it further. We can call that spiritual practice. 
And there's a reason it's called a spiritual practice. Because you seldom get it right that first time. So you try again. And you keep doing it over and over. And you do it regularly. And it becomes easier. And the monkey mind isn't quite so active. Maybe the monkey settles down to eat a banana. Just for a little while. Then you've done it. All right. So maybe some journaling would help. Writing, or if you don't write well, drawing. What's in your head? Put the pen or pencil on the paper. Don't look at it. Draw. Just draw. And see what happens. The first couple of times it might be a big giant scribble snarly. But if you practice, it becomes more refined. It becomes more of what you pictured up here. And the thought travels down into that pencil, onto that paper. And you have something extraordinary. One of my favorite kinds of meditations or focusing is a singing meditation. So yes, we're going to sing again. All right? And no, you don't have the words. Does that freak anybody out? I don't have the words. I don't have the words. I'll tell you the words. Okay. Two phrases here. This is the meditation on breathing. This is where the monkey mind always jumps in because you're like, I'm breathing already. When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out love. That's it. Now, singing meditation usually means singing more than three times in a row. And that mind, you're going to keep hearing things kind of running through as you're trying to focus on this. And that's okay. Because by the tenth time we sing it through, you'll be singing. You'll be right here. All right? I won't make you do ten times this time. We'll do, how about five? Five is a nice, nice number. Okay. So it goes like this. When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out love. You ready? When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out love. When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out love. When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out love. When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out,
breathe. Extraordinary. One more spiritual practice that we did some this summer that can really bring you forward and inward and then you can pass it outward is yoga. So we chose a few with our our mixed age class. We chose a few of the breathing things to practice and we we practiced some of the poses. We picked a few that we really, really liked that somehow just made us either laugh really hard or try a little harder. So at this point, I'd like to ask any of our first and second graders who are here to come forward and help me out with this one. All right? So, bunny breath. Three quick breaths in and a long breath out. You remember that? We had fun with this one. So quick... Right through your nose. Now, if this makes you dizzy, don't do it. Okay, you ready? Can we lead everybody? Actually, why don't you stand up so they can see you, because they may need to follow somebody who does it better than I do, okay? So you have to turn around and face everybody. Ready? We're going to try it. Let's do it three times, as long as you're not feeling lightheaded at the second time, okay? You ready? Here we go. Three breaths in. Wow, that felt good. A little more focus. I feel kind of a spot right here that was ready to receive something. All right, good. Okay, so that's bunny breath. I'm sure it has a much more formal name than bunny breath, but we kind of like bunny breath, so we're sticking with that. Now, do you remember some of the other poses we tried? Mountain pose was very popular. Do you remember mountain pose? So if you'd like to stand up and try this, I know, up, down, up, down. Mountain pose, you start with your feet about shoulder width apart. You remember that? And then what do we do? Hands down on our sides, and we stood. And then we stood. And then we started feeling our roots going down deep, like the mountain. And we felt our heads getting a little bit taller and straighter on our necks, like the peak of the mountain reaching toward the sky. And you feel your roots going down. You feel solid. You're not going anywhere. That's right. So that was mountain pose. We liked that one a lot. All right, remember the other one we tried? Tree pose. This was a challenge. This is a balance pose. So kind of make sure you have your balance right from where your your mountain was. That's why you start with mountain. Get those roots deep. One foot comes up, maybe about your knee. Let's start small. Okay, hold your hands down here first till you got your balance. If you lift your toes a little, you can do it. Okay, spread your toes wide and then your arms go up. Don't hurt anybody. Okay, come back down to mountain pose. Because if you were not feeling quite sure with tree, now you got the mountain going again. All right. Well done. Thank you very much. You can go back to your seats. You may be seated. Now, before we go away from the yoga altogether, I wanted to share one thing with you. The first time I did tree pose, I was actually at a yoga retreat for a whole week. It was awesome. 
and we were, I was in the mountains. So we did an outdoor walking meditation that led us to a grove of trees. And then we, when we got there, we were supposed to be in a pose, whatever felt most comfortable to us, whatever we might have been having trouble with. And I'd been having a lot of trouble trying to do what we call the tree pose. So I got under the tree, and I got to my mountain pose, and I, was, and I said, okay, I'm ready. And I closed my eyes, and I went into the tree pose. And I could feel myself kind of swaying a little bit, and it was a breezy day, and you know what happens with trees, you know, in the... And I thought, oh, I'm going to, my, my, my head, instead of being in the tree pose, good, I'm going to fall over. And then that little voice inside that had been stirring and stirring all week said, no, you're not. You're a tree. Your roots are deep. You are strong. You are going to be here until you are done being here. And I was. I was there. I think I was in that pose for almost 10 minutes. Extraordinary. Brilliant. Fabulous. Practice. Practice. So we've talked about a lot of different ways to bring yourself deeper, to create a space that's bigger on the inside. And why do I keep talking about bigger on the inside? Because bigger on the inside means you have more to give out. It gives you the grounding, the space, the time that you need to recharge, to be you, the extraordinary you that Doctor Who would find. Because, you know, if you think about that, it's a pretty good incentive for practicing to be ready for that extraordinary opportunity to go flying out into time and space and relative dimensions in those same things. To make a difference on worlds you can't even imagine right now. So, if you could do that with Doctor Who, why not here and now? For yourself, for your parents, for your grandparents, for the person who sits in front of you at school, for the person in the office right next to yours who's extraordinarily annoying most of the time. What if you had that space inside you that was so grounded and so focused, no matter what, that you could reach out and bring them in too. Extraordinary. So I'd ask you, and yes, this is yet another homework assignment from me. How many watch Doctor Who? A little bit? And how, how many want to now? Okay, just so you know, he can be a little scary. Okay, to be, to be told, he's a little scary, so not at bedtime. Okay. I hope you find some of the things that I found. I don't find them all the time. Sometimes it's just fun. Sometimes it's just fun. But sometimes it really makes me think. Sometimes. I'm going to ask you right now to turn to someone next to you and pass some peace to them. 
pass something extraordinary, even if it's just a handshake or a hug. Pass it on. And bring you in again. Can you hear me clapping? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. It's extraordinary that that works. Okay. And now, share your gifts. Share your gifts so this place may be bigger on the inside, that we may reach out so much further than we ever have before.